And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Frazier and Dieter's Business Speed. I'm John Ray alongside Frazier and Dieter Managing Partner, Alpharetta Office, Roger Lesby. Roger. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning. You look great today. Well, thank you. It's past April 15th, <laughs> so that's always good. That's we, right. we got through the deadline. Everybody's done or extended. Uh, we've got April billing completed, and I'm um, looking forward to vacation next month. You have got it buttoned up tight, don't How you? About I, that? I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, and, and uh, you probably got some great surveys coming back. I finished mine. Did you? Well, yes, thank you. and uh, they were, uh, across the board, fantastic. Well, that's, ex- all, that's ex- always good to hear. The experience at Frazier and Dieter is always good. And I can speak from my own, my own position on that, folks. So just keep that in mind as you think ahead to uh, your own provider. Uh, but, folks, we want to welcome a terrific guest today. Ashish Mystery is with us. He is the managing partner of BLH Venture Partners. Ashish, welcome. Yep, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Uh, for those that don't know about your work at BLH Venture Partners, let's give everyone an introduction. Yeah, so um, BLH Venture Partners is a private venture firm, so we focus on uh, cybersecurity, SaaS, and e-commerce businesses really on the early stages. So as operators, we've had the chance to um, sort of sit behind the wheel and uh, and work with entrepreneurs as well as operate companies in those spaces ourselves. So we're, uh, we're here in Atlanta and uh, excited to be part of the community. Yeah, that's terrific. Talk about your background. So my background, wow. Um, so finished at Emory in 98 with a degree in religion, which uh, obviously is what you need to be in technology or any other uh, other science oriented uh, uh, vocation, but we uh, we started a predecessor to what's now Leapfrog Services called uh, Vertex mm. Networks. Uh, that was till '01. Around that time, I went to work with um, a cybersecurity entrepreneur named Jay Chaudhry at Air Defense, and so was there for uh, a number of years. That company was acquired by Motorola in '08, mm-hmm. so I'd sort of departed a little bit prior to that, but um, but had you know. Great experience there, and that company was um, a, a nice way to learn a lot. Um, and then around that same time, I, I met my business partner, um, and we started really what was two ventures at the same time. One was BLH Venture Partners, which again a private firm basically investing off balance sheet in early stage companies. And then also this company called Control Freak, which was um, a fun run in the video game accessory space. We made you know, kind of the Under Armour of video game accessories. We made ergonomic products for the Xbox PlayStation and Switch um, until that company was acquired in uh, December of 2020. Oh, wow. And you started it when? Um, that was late 09. Okay. So, yeah. So okay. A number of years. But it's been fun watching uh, Shisha's career. I mean, I knew him when he was uh, just out of Emory, and yeah. uh, it's been a long time, and yeah. uh, he's done a lot of successful things, and so uh, we're glad to have you this yeah, morning. thanks, Roger. It's been fun to have you in my, uh, in my, in my sphere as well. So, I, I mean, I've got to ask, if you're a religion major from Emory, what, you, you took something out of that that's helped you in your career, right? Uh, maybe it's being ecumenical about how you look at, <laughs> look at uh, different investments or something, well, but, but, but say more about that. Yeah, well, I think what you, what you learn is that it's, you've, got, you've got to engage and connect and, and be able to listen to stories and, and mm. be able to tell them too, right? When you're selling or mm. out there talking to customers or listening to pitches, you really, you really open your ears and, and try to get into the um, into the mind or the head of the person that's really pitching you. And so, um, and, and then the other component of it was just building a, building a network. And so we spent a lot of time community building early. And mm. again, you know, I'm not saying that we were doing that in college, but um, you know, between the Atlanta CEO council and venture Atlanta and 
you know, all the different things that I was able to be involved in building that network really helped. And so when you needed something, you're able to call a guy. And so, you know, when I needed something for, you know, on the accounting side called Roger. Yeah. I mean, we, we all do the same thing. Our networks are very, very important. And, uh, you like us have to learn an industry, uh, quickly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, so talk about the different elements and investment, uh, I guess focus focuses that you have there at BLH Ventures. So you've got cyber, e-commerce, and SaaS. Mm-hmm. Talk about why those three. Yeah. So you know the the short answer is it's because it's what I'd done in my past, mm-hmm. and so um, you know we probably do a lot less cyber these days, um, just because that world is so complicated and moves so fast. But SaaS software. But, but Atlanta's had such great success in that space. Yeah. And again, like you look at the pedigree of the people that we had and worked with. I mean you know, uh, people that have taken the companies public, people that have sold companies and just, you know, just a level of talent. There's been a, you know, huge boon early, but it's sort of, it's a, it's a little bit more niche for us here now because there's so many other technological, you know, areas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got between MarTech and supply chain and healthcare, you've got so many verticals now. It's not just one area. And then lastly, the um, e-commerce vertical was really happenstance because we'd started Control Freak right at the same time we'd started the venture firm mm-hmm. and we kind of learned e-commerce, you know, sort of figuring it out stair, step by stair step. And we bootstrapped that company from, you know, $25,000 investment to doing more than that in revenue, you know, 25, $50 million in revenue by the time of its exit. And so, wow. so we learned e-commerce sort of like you would sort of, you know, you know, out there fishing, doing anything else. You just sort of have to go out and do it. Mm-hmm. And then it informed our thesis to invest in that area. And we've done, you know, probably half a dozen so investments in that area alone. And did you have that company during COVID? We did. Yeah. Yep. And, so that and of was, course, COVID just put all the e-commerce on, on steroids. Yeah, it was a great, great time. I mean, we literally, um, we went into, we were at ATDC. So we were in Midtown ATDC for 14 years on a rolling 90-day lease. And so... March 11th, we're like, all right, everybody go home. You know, that next lease renewal, we lost the office space, furniture, people, you know, taking monitors and chairs and things home. Mm. We didn't look back. And so, you know, December of that same year, you know, the company was acquired and, you know, we didn't have a real estate obligation. The acquirer was very happy about that and mm. um, made, made things pretty seamless. So, yeah. Um, so, well, t- let's, continue talking about that timing so you think if if the pandemic hadn't come along and really um as roger said given you that impetus that you would have sold the company at that time or what what talk about the timing of that yeah i mean look we were in the process of of somebody had expressed interest the prior year so we'd had a book ready Mm -hmm. and so um so 19 was like all right let's go out and get this thing done we were on a great trajectory somebody's going to pay us a bunch of money and then it's sort of, we got, we didn't see the number that we wanted to. And then 20 came around and that year happened to also be a console refresh year. So Sony, Microsoft and um, alike, they're going to change out their consoles in December. So that's always a slow year for us because nobody wants to buy accessories for a device they don't yet have. Mm. And so January and February were ticking lower and we're like, Oh crap. You know, what do we do? What do we do? Well, we've been through this before on a console refresh, but then March hit, and then every day after March 11th was a record day. Yeah. And just clockwork, boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. Every day was a record. And then I told the guys in, you know, kind of middle of the summer, get the book refreshed and then go out, and the deal was done in like 90 days. Yeah, amazing. Crazy. But, 
but we have so many stories like that on, on clients that were either impacted favorably or, yeah. or unfavorably. But uh, yeah, but, we yeah. were lucky. We were lucky for sure. Well, but so let's talk to, and then there are those business owners, and you've seen this, Roger, plenty of times, that they fall in love with that trajectory, right? And they they maybe want to keep getting the benefit of that and, and don't think about that maybe this is the time to sell. Yeah, look, I miss my cash machine for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, being able to sort of sleep well because you know that everything's taken care of is a lot more of a, of a satiating feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, we can, we're, we're still relatively young. I know Roger told me he's known me since I was a kid, but, um, but we can still get after it and we're already doing it again. So uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. that team that was acquired by, uh, by, by Jabber Steel Series was back again. And so the whole team's back together and we've launched a new business as of last year called Pickle PCKL, which is basically making pickleball uh, gear. So paddles, balls, and accessories. So mm-hmm. we know how to make plastic and rubber things uh, pretty well and innovate there and um, the marketing and sales aspect. And so we've got a great pickleball business going already. Yeah, and a super growing sport. And, yeah. uh, you know, you can buy that equipment directly from the company right yep. there online. Yep. And Amazon. So we've, we did a lot of great things at Control Freak that we've translated over. So, you know, we're in the top, you know, 10 products on Amazon and Pickleball already. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it'll be a several million dollar business with a very short period of time. And that's a lot in due in part to the people, right? Mm-hmm. You go back to the network and you go back to, you know, just taking care of people. Right. And, well, and, and it's a growing sport. I mean, yeah. you know, everywhere people are looking at adding mm-hmm. pickleball courts or transforming some extra tennis courts into pickleball courts and yep. uh, yeah. the battles that ensue thereafter. Yeah, and, we've seen some of those. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like the common theme there is aftermarket accessories. Yeah, it's becoming that. Um, it wasn't the intent. <laughs> um, you know, I, when I got out of when I got out of school, my intent was to sell as few as something for as much as I could, as few a times as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, let me go sell some Boeing planes or something. I never made it that far. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, you know, singing, you know, we're selling products for $25 online. Um, as long as the margin's good, you can be in good business. Yeah. So, yeah, that's terrific. Uh, Ashish mystery is with us folks. He is the managing partner at BLH venture partners. So we're, we're hearing a lot about pickleball, right? I mean, it, we seem to be, anyway, anecdotally, lots of investment going on in that industry. I and mean, what, what do you see as the trajectory of that entire industry? Obviously, you're favorable about it, but where, where, does it, where, is, it, where, where is it all going? Yeah, so, I, I, you know, again, I think I ask people the same question all the time to see what they're doing and what they're seeing. Look, I think we're at the early stages and the early innings, if you want to call it, of this, you know, of uh, uh, pickleball, just like you would have seen with lacrosse or any of those other sports that, you know, were sort of in these niches early on and then they sort of broke through to mainstream. I think pickleball has got the same trajectory. Um, you know, we're we're talking about it here today. You know, when my parents are talking about it as as Indian immigrants, like if they're talking about it, you know it's mainstream. Mm. Um And so it's not necessarily sort of tucked away anymore. And so as you see neighborhoods starting to convert courts, you start to see dedicated facilities start to pop up and there's real estate ventures there. You'll see a whole ecosystem of actual things that surround the pickleball um, kind of sport. So from guys like us that are making, you know, products, physical products to virtual things, there's training aids and things. The guys at Pickleheads or Atlanta guys here, they've got a, um, you know, court finder product as well as other things. Mm. So you'll see digital, you know, accompaniments, you'll see physical products, you'll see real estate, 
we've got a company um, that we're, you know, sort of small investors in called um, the painted pickle. So just dynamic has got the painted pin, the painted duck, the painted pickles opening up, I think later this summer. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of you know other things that will be ancillary to just, you know, the, the paddle and the ball. And so lots of interesting ways to, to make money around the space. What is it about pickleball that makes this different from any of the other niche sports that have come along and tried to go mainstream? It's approachable, yeah. right? You know, my nine-year-old could play with a 60-year-old mm. and you know what? They'd, they'd probably have a good time playing. And mm. so you've got a good social element to it, which makes it fun. Um, you can be competitive. Like one of our top sort of, you know, kind of athletes is a, a, a veteran tennis player who's one of the top 10 senior pros in America, Dan Granat. You know, Dan, I think is, I'm not going to embarrass him by his age, but he's, he's, he's older than me, but he is, he can play. Mm. And, and, you know, you've got people with varying degrees of, of tennis or badminton, racquetball, all sort of converging in this one area, which is sort of neat to see. And so, um, so a lot of, a lot of talent coming at it. Yeah. So you have built a team that uh, obviously built, uh, successfully sold control freak. Then along comes uh, this pickleball opportunity and you've got that same team plugged in there. Talk about the, the secrets of building a successful team. Yeah, I think, you know, again, I don't know if there's secrets. I think what, what, what they are just sort of, it feels common sense, right? You take care of people and, and you tell the people, if you take care of the machine, the machine will take care of you. Um, you got to be in the right space. You got to have the right capital formation. You got to do a lot of the right basic things, but you're really building chemistry amongst people. And so, um, you know, the president CEO of that business, um, you know, he's a friend as well as, you know, a colleague in a lot of ways. And so we can have very candid conversations about what's going on, what's right, what's wrong. Hey, what are we doing? He was over last night. We had, you know, a glass of wine and, and literally talked through business stuff until nine o'clock at night. And so, I'd much rather work in that capacity where it's you, you don't have to show up in a in a coat and tie um <laughs> and uh and and have a formal discussion you can you can whether it's on the golf course or on the pickleball court or you know over a glass of wine mm-hmm. you can get work done it makes it a lot easier to to be working a lot more and not even knowing it so without getting too specific uh what do you think the next opportunities are for you you know you know, we're always open to new things. So the answer is I don't have a specific thesis. We're we're in the mode of doing a lot of homework right now. I think with where the market is and where, you know, valuations are, it's a great time to sort of, um, I don't want to say put pencils down, but really kind of open up the book or the internet and see what's trending and really do your homework such that you're ready. Um, we have dry powder, which is great, but there's no reason to go deploying capital if you don't have to when, um, you know, when the market will come to you. Mm-hmm. So I know we spent a lot of time chasing it towards the end of these last couple yeah, of years. Yeah. And the, and the valuations are coming down. They're getting a little more realistic. Yeah. Well, you know, we just hope they don't come down too much for our own companies. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess there, there are some cross currents there, right? Yeah. So, um, but so what, let, let's talk to those folks out there that are, they've got their companies, they're, they're looking for investment, what what are some of the big mistakes that you see when when someone comes to you looking for an investment? Uh, what are the mistakes they make? Um, well, I think some of it, um, you know, some of it's just experience, right? So I think in you know making mistakes is great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, as long as they're learning from from uh, 
you know, from getting from feed, getting feedback is huge first and foremost. So I would just say being prepared, right? Knowing, knowing your business, you know, better than somebody that might be sitting across from you, especially if you're supposed to be the domain expert. Mm. Um, you know, my friend Alan Tate will always say VCs are very good generalists they're very, you know, subsurface, they sort of tend to lack, but, um, but look, we can, we can pick up on stuff pretty quickly. We've heard the pitch, you know, a hundred times, if not a thousand times, insert different company problem solution here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking for people that are really deep in their areas of expertise and that have the ability to retain and recruit talent too. Right. So you can't just be the, you know, call it the, the engineer that comes up with an idea. All of these things require teams. And so, so knowing that it's not a, it's just, it's not just you mm-hmm. um, being able to get other people around the table. So showing up with just a single person uh, is a little bit tough unless you're saying, Hey, Ashish, help me build my team. I've got this idea and you've got self-awareness. That's important. Yeah. And so, so I would say one, just being a domain expert and knowing your business segment, also knowing that you're, you know, it's not just you that it's going to take to build this. And then you've got a path and then just, you know, being okay, sort of saying, Hey, listen, I don't know. I don't know everything as well. Yeah. And so leaning on others for help and guidance. Yeah. And when you're talking about building a team, I mean, there are exceptions to this, I know, but um, there are a whole lot of venture firms out there that really don't do that. They're investors, right? Yep. Yeah. And so you've got that experience that you bring to the table for your portfolio companies. Yeah. And so what I would say is that, you know, most of the firms now are in the business of helping the businesses, not just deploying capital and sort mm-hmm. of saying, all right, go figure it out. Yeah. Um, they've got to spend some time and resources making sure um, the business is resourced with, with human capital, not just um, the, the, the monetary side of it. Um, and so to that point, you know, um, we, we do it on a small scale, right? There's big shops that have people that are focused on recruiting and doing things almost, almost like a big machine would. Right. Um, we're still a little bit more, um, you know, cottage in, in, in the way we approach it. We're not trying to take, you know, majority positions in these companies. And um, we're just trying to help the guys or gals that, that have started them to get to the next stage. And what, what, what's your parameters in terms of the investments that you make? So we're, you know, we're, we're pre-revenue. We, we look at companies that have a concept or have built something. So we want to see that somebody's put some of their own sweat equity into it, either because they have the opportunity and the actual aptitude to build something. So an engineer could do that or, you know, Hey, look, I'm, I'm a business guy. I've got my team in place. This is the market we're going after. We're going to have to build some software. It's going to take us a year to do that. So, Again, those are very pre-early, pretty early companies, you know, formation side. You know, we'd, we'd balance a budget up to $2 million in each company. So mm-hmm. if you said, hey, John or Shish, I want to pitch my business to you. We have zero in revenue. You know, how much money do you think you're good for for the life of the investment? I'd tell you, we'll do two hundred fifty dollars to $500,000 in four to eight increments, right? So you know where we're sitting. Right. And as you go along, how do you maintain alignment with your investment partner? If you know, as, as, yeah. a, as you're running that company, talk, talk about that, the, the skills that are involved there, right? Yeah. And so I think, you know, I think sitting on both sides of the table is gives you empathy for the, the founder and the entrepreneur, mm-hmm. as long as there is um, clarity and honesty, mm-hmm. right? Shoot me straight. I'll shoot you straight. And yeah. you, you kind of don't, there's no question as to where you are. I think sometimes, um, Founders can get, you know, they're, they're afraid of not knowing and it's okay to not know. Um, but have that conversation, 
but don't try to hide it because what's happening is you're burning money and you're burning time. And those two resources are the most precious that you have. Right. So, so be, be, be okay. It's okay to have open dialogue and, and there's no expectation that you know everything. Well, and that's where you've got to make sure you've got the right partner to begin with, right? That, yeah, that welcomes that open dialogue. Yeah. And that's that one. It's up to look, it's like hiring an employee, mm-hmm. right? Or a teammate. It's, it's, as, it's as much your fault if you hire the wrong person, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, you're running the process, right? And you should have done this a bunch. And that's my job is to evaluate the people as much as it is the, uh, the, the, the problem, the solution that they're presenting. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a bad investment. It's my, it's my fault. Not the, not, not the entrepreneurs. You can only blame them so much. Ashish Mystery is with us, folks. He is the managing partner at BLH Ventures. So, um, back to e-commerce for just a second, Ashish. What what does that look like in general now? I mean, obviously things have uh, petered off quite a lot, particularly depending on the the space. Amazon's laying off tons of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what what does the e-commerce space look like? from your perspective right now? Yeah. So I'd, I'd say that the landscape's changing. Like we're in the middle of a, of a pretty big shift, mm-hmm. right? So um, I kind of joke around. I'm like, Oh, the internet's broken. Cause the way you could, the way you could build a brand like we did when we did control freak and it's onset is very different than how you have to approach it today. Um, the Apple changes to iOS in terms of tracking um, Facebook's changes on their platforms to tracking you're not getting flashed ads the same way you were. And so our ability to acquire traffic, you know, you had companies like Harry's razors and, you know, dollar shave club, you name it, that were able to build these direct to consumer brands by spending a ton of money, getting a bunch of people interested and then trying to convert them in, you know, whatever mechanical way Mm -hmm. um, the math works, but it is tougher. It is. We're back to old school sort of, you know, I might, I might be looking at direct mail for some of the, the things that we're doing. Um, and if you've probably seen, look, the catalog volume in your in your mailboxes is probably up. Right. Right. Um, you know, those guys that have those direct mail businesses are, are, are happy once again. Um, and so, you know, digital marketing has changed. That landscape's changed. I mean, consumers still want fresh product. They want new brands. They want great experiences. Um, it's just you, you know, you can't rely on what, what worked before. Um, and with new platforms like TikTok and, you know, obviously Instagram's there, they all convert differently for each demographic. So mm. with the pickleball business, for instance, we're learning that, hey, look, you know what? Instagram and TikTok are nice to have, but Facebook's a must have. Um, and, and you look at the demographic of pickleball, it started out as older, right? All those mm-hmm. constituents were on Facebook, you know, looking at their grandkids' pictures and things. And so, sure. um, so you know, what's, what's uh, new is old and what's old is new. Those are interesting comments. I uh, appreciate those. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, the, and uh, particularly for me, Roger, the comment about using using the mail to to build a SaaS business, that's fascinating. And I guess the mail, our mailboxes are not quite as full as they were 10 years ago, obviously. So, But our email boxes are. Uh, they, yeah. for, for sure, yeah. yeah. Yep, and look, there's, there's, and there's interesting companies that can come out of all these things, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you start to blend the two, direct mail and email, and... Um, there's some pretty pretty interesting opportunities I think that'll be out there. So keep your eyes and ears open. So uh, the SaaS market, what does that look like? To give give us your observations there. Uh, multiple compression, and so I think you know we're not seeing the exits. Obviously, the M and A environment's pretty quiet. Um, I think getting 10x revenue for a company that's growing, unless it's really really special, is very tough. Um, and I think companies that you know everybody 
you know, at this point in time is, is focused on profitability and how do you stand on your own two feet? Companies that are going to have to raise money that are sort of, I want to call it half pregnant, are going to have a tough time when they have to go back out to market if, you know, uh, we haven't gone through complete um, sort of cycle flush yet. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I think some of the, the smart businesses are being thoughtful and conservative about capital um, and, you know, focused on the right things, gross margin, you know, average selling price, gross margin and profitability. Um, those are, those are going to make a big difference. And you'll see that once the M&A cycle starts to tick up again, those companies will be the most sought after. Mm. Um, and so, um, so I think that's, that's where things are at in SAS. Hence your uh, cash reserve. I mean, keep, keeping some dry powder given what, what you're describing. That's it. Look, we're, you know, thankfully we don't have to go raise money. It's just my partner and I, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've been okay to be able to do that. But, you know, we also, you know, we don't charge ourselves a management fee. And so, you know, it's a, it's a different environment for us. And so we're, we're just making sure that when the, uh, when the tide turns, we're ready to go. Yeah. So. But, but I think he's right. I think a lot of the bigger companies are going to be focused on gross profit margins, uh, efficiencies. I think the layoffs that they are having is, is, is more to get back to a, a more efficient, uh, operation. I think during COVID they, we had a tendency to throw money at a lot of things trying to mm-hmm. solve a problem. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah. I mean, look, people made a bunch of money during COVID, right? If you look at one, the Depen- depending on the industry, that's right. On the industry and you know, the technology industry was a, was a key beneficiary of that huge stuff. winner, huge winner. And, you know, they're also, but they can also move pretty quickly um, to retrench. And so yeah. we're seeing some of that, I mean, I think there's still probably some let some bloodletting to go, but, um, but, you know, look, we got to get through the cycle. Talk about the um, switching gears for a second. Talk about the, the ecosystem we have here in Atlanta and how you, how you look at that and the, and the opportunities that exist here from your perspective. Yeah. So I can tell you, um, one, the, the ecosystem is, is much more advanced and much more mature. Um, you know, what I used to say was my biggest concern about, um, our ecosystem maybe 10, 15 years ago was that when the tide went out in a, in a business cycle like this, would our community come back as strong? And, and the one thing I'll say is that our community basically stayed, stayed put and is actually, um, very, very cohesive. And the, the verticals are very defined. So it's not like you can just, the, the tide just sucks everything out. And so we had that back in 2000 to a degree where the tide sucked some, you know, the energy out and um, it took some wins from some key entrepreneurs to, to one, give us staying power, but then also continue to, to, to beat the drum, you know, even during other cycles. And so way bigger community, you know, things like venture Atlanta, which is now one of the biggest venture conferences in the country. It's huge, right? It's a draw, um, if you look at the speakers that we had, the presenters that we had, it's, it's, you know, we we're doing the right things and, you know, the technology industry and community is a, is a key community of, of the overall Atlanta business ecosystem now. And so, you know, what I said, you know, what I used to say was Atlanta is awesome because it's never going to be at the top of the highs. It's never going to be at the bottom of the lows because it's got such a well-diversified economic base. Mm. And now the technology industry in our town is just another one of those. So. Well, I mean, we're we're well positioned. I mean, we're the capital of the southeast. Yeah. We've got great uh, educational institutions here. Uh, we've got you know engineering degrees. People want to stay here. They want to be in Atlanta. Well, to that point, Roger. I mean, we used to send our engineers to California. Yeah, I know. And now, now the companies are coming here, and so that 
trend alone tells us about the, the ability of our community to really kind of be a player and not just a, a, a resource for, for talent that others could pick off. Yeah. Now we'd say, hey, we're taking companies from their markets to become a second headquarters or a regional HQ or a, a major dev center. And so that's a, it's a great sign for, for our ability to stay. Yeah, I mean, we might not be there with Boston, uh, maybe not even Austin, but we ought to be right underneath there. I yeah, think. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I have, I have no chip on my shoulder for where Atlanta is um, today, as I did probably back in my early days. Mm. Great words from Ashish, Ashish Mystery, folks, uh, managing partner, BLH Ventures. Uh, Ashish, thank you so much for coming in, and we're delighted we could. Uh, shine the light on the great work you do. Thank Thanks. you. Thank Appreciate you for it. that work. Um, before we let you go though, let's give some contact information for those that would like to be in touch, learn more about you and BLH ventures. Yes. Yeah, so our website's triple W B L H ventures.com. And then if you're interested in pickleball stuff, triple W P C K L.com. There you are. There you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. How, how are you at pickleball, Roger? You know, I haven't played, John, but but I think I'm going to go order something from a sheet. I haven't either. Today. So, maybe, yeah, maybe. It's not, maybe an, it's not an expensive sport, John. I know. And maybe you and I could be in the same beginner class, I right? Just, I just didn't want to be perceived as being old moving over <laughs> to the pickleball courts. But uh, got a net in the trunk we can put out in the parking lot. I like it. I like it. Good, good stuff. Ashish, thanks again for being with us. Hey, folks, just a quick uh, reminder for you that Business Speed is presented by the Alpharetta Office of Frazier & Dieter. Frazier & Dieter is an award-winning international CPA and advisory firm with a deep technical expertise and an even deeper dedication to their clients. Their CPAs and advisors believe in investing in relationships to make a difference. For more information, go to FraserDieter.com. Roger, this has been fun today. It has been, John. I enjoyed it, and uh, we'll look forward to our guest in June. Absolutely. We look forward to that. And, folks, we look forward to having you with us here on Frazier & Dieter's Business Beat.